0: N.P.R.
1: In the world of finance, how do you know when a bubble is about to burst? Is it when Wall Street analysts start penning worried op-eds? Is it when a government agency sends out a press release telling investors to beware?
2: You know, I got to give a shout out to everybody in the SPAC game. Help me eat good these days. Man, crazy. Or is
3: it when a rapper writes a song all about the money he made investing in something called a SPAC? If
2: you win a SPAC game, you know what I'm talking about. We sick of IPOs, day one, locking us out.
1: I love the floor. This will be the song of summer, just wait for it. <laughs> but by the way, this song is called SPAC Dream by an Oakland rapper called Cassius Cuvée. And in addition to professing a love of champagne... He also loves SPACs. Yeah,
3: we got that.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, SPACs, what the hell is that? So SPAC stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company, and SPACs have been described as a sort of backdoor way for private companies to get listed on the stock market. During the early years of the
1: pandemic, SPACs exploded in popularity. But since then, a number of companies that went public this way have gone. Bankrupt. According to Bloomberg, more than 20 of these companies went bankrupt last year. Some were brand new startups, like the electric vehicle company Lordstown Motors. Others were household names, like the office space company WeWork. And it's in the wake of these high profile meltdowns that U.S. stock regulators recently issued new rules it says will make SPACs safer.
3: This is the Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And I'm Darian Woods. Today on the show, we are examining the rise and fall of SPACs, why they became one of the hottest trends in finance, and how the SPAC bubble eventually burst. It's going to be
2: spectacular. Get it? Spec- spectacular? Spectacular. This message comes from Apple Card. You earned up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. Your employees are more than your coworkers. They're the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers modern group benefits designed to protect employees and their families with dental, vision, life, and disability coverage. Humana knows every employee and every business is unique. That's why they listen to your needs and build plans with you and your team in mind. That's the power of human care.
1: When a company wants to raise a boatload of money, One time-tested way to do that is through an initial public stock offering. But for companies, doing an IPO can be
3: expensive, cumbersome, and risky. Expensive because the company has to hire an investment bank to analyze its books, come up with a price, and hawk the shares to potential investors. It's cumbersome because the company has to jump through all kinds of regulatory hoops, has to make all kinds of public disclosures about its business... And it's risky because once a company goes public, it can't know for sure what will happen to the share price.
0: And also from the company's perspective, there is always uncertainty. So it's a long process and there is always the risk.
1: Minmo Gong is a professor of finance at Cornell University. And he says another way companies can go public involves less uncertainty, less red tape, less expense, and according to some, less time. It's the SPAC. Now, SPACs are not companies as we typically
0: think of them. They don't have any real operations. Basically, a SPAC is just a company on paper. On paper, correct, yes. With just cash, Hmm. without any business. And they only have one mission, which is to merge with a private company to bring that company to public. And here's how they work. Every SPAC starts with a
3: sponsor. They are these savvy financiers, often from the hedge fund world. One of them that you might have heard of is Bill Ackman. So these sponsors get together, they start a SPAC, and then they get it listed on a stock exchange. Once listed, the SPAC raises money by issuing shares to investors. From there, the sponsors typically have about two years to find a target company, and then they strike a merger deal. And when the merger happens, the target company gets to replace the SPAC on the stock exchange. It even gets a new ticker symbol. Minmo describes it as sort of a backdoor way for companies to go public. And now if this sounds a little bit sketchy to you, Minmo says he doesn't necessarily mean it to be.
1: But historically, SPACs have a reputation for being a little sketch. Back in the 1980s, SPACs were better known as blank check companies. And at the time, they were plagued by fraud. Investors got burned a lot of the time. And over the next few decades, they remained a sort of financial backwater until, Minmo says, the pandemic
0: hit. What the SPAC market has started to really boom was starting from early 2020.
3: According to the website SPAC Insider, about 360 companies went public through a SPAC merger during the first couple of years of the pandemic. That's more than it occurred in the entire decade prior. And experts we talked to named a few reasons. Pandemic disruptions made traditional IPOs more difficult logistically. Also, a lot of startups were looking to raise funds and interest rates were low. So investors could borrow money cheap. Other reasons were more emotional. SPACs became a sort of
1: meme. Big-name investors were hyping them up on social media. Big-name companies like DraftKings were going public through SPACs.
3: Also, celebrities and public figures were getting into the SPAC game. You got Shaquille O'Neal, Jay-Z, Martha Stewart... Even former U.S. Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, to name a few. (laughs) And don't forget Cassius Cuve. I will never forget Cassius Cuve. And in a matter of months, investors poured tens of billions of dollars into SPACs. But then by 2022, cracks in the SPAC
1: market had begun to show. The country's main stock market regulator, the Securities and Exchange Commission, proposed new rules to put guardrails on the SPAC industry. And around that time... Some very hyped companies that went public through SPAC mergers began to flame out or declare bankruptcy. Some were household names, like we mentioned WeWork. Others were startups, promising to be the next big player in everything from electric
3: vehicles to indoor farming. The numbers suggest that SPAC companies overall might not have
0: brought spectacular results for the average investor. So for these companies, once you do the merger your prices are going to go down like 60% minimum. That's what we observe in the data. All this has drawn criticism from people who say
3: that SPAC mergers don't get as much scrutiny as IPOs and that they've lured a lot of people into bad investments.
1: Michael Klosner is a professor at Stanford who focuses on corporate law, and he hates SPACs. He says one of his biggest problems with them is that the incentives for the players involved, you know, the sponsors, the investors, they don't always align. For instance, SPAC sponsors, the only way they get a payday is if they actually make a merger happen within two years. Otherwise, they have to give the money back to the investors. So a sponsor is essentially desperate to get a merger. Just a merger, not necessarily a merger that's good for shareholders, not necessarily a
3: profitable merger, just a merger. Now, of course, they'd like to get a more profitable merger, but they don't need to. Sponsors want to make a deal so they can collect their cut. Their companies are making big promises to prospective investors that aren't scrutinized in the same way as they would if the company was doing an IPO. And Michael says this leaves some investors holding the bag, if or when things go bad. And SPACs have drawn a number of lawsuits from investors who say they got burned. Michael himself is helping with some of those suits. Now, not everyone hates SPACs as much as Michael. Christy Marvin
1: is CEO of SPAC Insider, which is a company that provides data and research on the SPAC space. And she says, yeah, during the pandemic, the SPAC market probably got a little too hot and a lot of deals happened that maybe should not have.
2: They were never meant as a product to be that frothy.
1: The way I like it, it's like, you know, the emo kid in high school who was always like the wallflower, right? All of a sudden, like you made him the most popular kid in class right? and he like <laughs> didn't know what to do with it.
3: Christy says that SPACs are not inherently bad. She sees them as a legitimate alternative to the traditional IPO. And she doesn't think that the new SEC rules will fundamentally affect how SPACs operate.
1: Those new rules, by the way, they essentially try to clamp down on the kinds of promises SPACs can make to potential investors, and they require more transparency. Those go into effect in a few months.
3: We'll see how many SPAC wraps we get after that. I hope more. The world needs more SPAC wraps. This episode was produced by Cooper Katz McKim with engineering by Josh Newell. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Kate Cannon is our editor, and The Indicator is a production of NPR.
1: All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology.
0: Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take
1: NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive twenty percent off IXL membership when you sign up today at ixl.com/npr.
2: This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For twenty percent off your first purchase, go to viore.com/npr.